From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Tim Desher, and this is Heritage Explains. The 2022 midterm election is rapidly approaching, under 100 days away. And that means all the work since the controversial election in 2020 to change and shape election laws in the states will be tested. So where do things stand heading into this important election season? Are elections freer, fairer, and more honest? What more needs to be done before the election? And what does the Biden administration have to do with it? To answer these questions, we talk with frequent Heritage Explains guest Hans von Spakovsky. He's a senior legal fellow here at the Heritage Foundation and also manages our election law reform initiative. On this episode, he explains after this. For over 35 years, the Heritage Foundation Job Bank has been helping conservatives at all professional levels find employment in key positions in Washington, D.C. and across the country. We can help connect you with positions in the administration, on Capitol Hill, in public policy organizations, and in the private sector. To learn more about the Heritage Foundation Job Bank, go to heritage.org slash job dash bank. Hans, we are now less than 100 days from the 2022 midterm elections. This is going to be the first nationwide election since the controversial, we'll call it, 2020 election. Uh, We've seen a lot of action in the states in terms of uh, changing and updating laws to, I think, encourage more election integrity. Maybe we've seen a few go the other way. Um, and uh, and we've actually already had some several statewide primary elections so far. But before we start, you know, we use the term election integrity all the time here. Right. And and I feel bad that we have we've had so many episodes with you on it, and we I don't think we've ever actually had a definition of the term election integrity. Can you just give me a short definition of when we say we're, we're pushing for election integrity? What do you mean? We want a system that has fair, honest, and secure elections so that after the election day is over and the votes have all been counted, everyone involved, including the candidates who lost, say, uh, the candidate in particular, well, I may have lost the election, but it was a fair election. Mm -hmm. You know, there was no cheating. Nobody was kept out of the polls who's eligible to vote. I mean, it's basically, you know, the phrase has popped up, uh, we want to make sure it's easy to vote. But hard to cheat. Hard to cheat. Yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's a good base point here. I, I, you know, like I said, you know, we're now under 100 days out until the midterms. It's a big one. How are you feeling in terms of our uh, collective preparedness? 
you know, easy to vote, hard to cheat, election integrity. Where are we at? Well, we're actually much better off than we were in 2020. Okay. Uh, and the reason for that is that, uh, look, the one good thing I think we can say that came out of the 2020 election was that finally state legislators in a lot of places realized, you know, there are holes in the system that need to be fixed. <laughs> and voters realized it also. Wow. And so um, a large uh, number of states passed election reforms, not only in 2021, but also this year. I mean, in Missouri, for example, they've just signed into law a new bill that uh, put in voter ID, hmm. that uh, banned drop boxes, which are dangerous, you know, right. unsecured drop boxes, uh, and made a number of other good changes. Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania's had a tough time uh, uh, getting legislation passed because you have a split in pol political authority there, right? You've got Republicans controlling the legislature, Democratic governor. Yeah. He has, the Democratic governor has uh, continually vetoed um, uh, election reform bills there like voter ID, but he just signed a bill that uh, the legislature passed banning private funding, zuck bucks. Hmm. In other wow. words, no, no donor anymore is going to be able to pour uh, money into Pennsylvania, into democratic urban areas like they did in 2020 to try to manipulate election results. Okay, I have to ask you then. I mean, we went there. That was a huge deal in the 2020 election. It was. Um, lots of money was spent. There was lots of money to be spent. I mean, he has a ton of – Mark Zuckerberg has a ton of money to spend. What What would be a Democrat – governor's motivation for signing something like that? Is it just the accountability of his legislature or elections? I, I, or what is this? I don't know how they convinced him to do that. Because <laughs> <laughs> he had he had previously, like I said, vetoed other bills, but they were able to get it done. And, and hmm. like I said, that's an example of um, the good improvements that states have made. Now, yeah. the other half of that, Tim, is the fact that, uh, unfortunately, liberal groups and the uh, Merrick Garland, Biden, Justice Department mm. has been suing states over these reforms, right? Making absurd, absurd claims. Uh, I, I, I mean, for example, in Georgia, you know, they sued over the election reform bill that Georgia passed. Um, they weren't able to get an injunction temporarily stopping the law from going into place. So it was actually in place for the primaries. And at the very same time, the Justice Department, all these left-wing groups were suing, saying, oh, these reforms are going to suppress votes. You know, they just had record turnout in their primary. <laughs> yeah. Right. Record, record yeah. turnout, which shows that all those claims that uh, reforming elections is voter suppression is just totally false. And, and you talked about when – I think when you were in here a couple of times ago about the – official election report from the federal government saying that more people voted in the last election exactly. than any other election, exactly. which completely puts to rest the left's claims that, you know, these these laws are keeping people from voting. Right. But so so we've got good reforms from the state legislatures, but there are fights going on right now in the courts right. where people opposed to these reforms are, are trying to stop them. And just one quick more example that just shows – it just defies common sense, yeah. okay? Look, you have to be a citizen to vote in federal elections. Right. You have to be a citizen to vote in state elections. In fact, it's a felony under federal law hmm. for you as an alien to register and vote. So what did Arizona do? Well, they passed a law saying that election officials are supposed to verify the citizenship wow. of people who register to vote. And guess who sued them? The Biden Justice Department. Biden Justice Department. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I think is incredibly 
impactful is this election fraud database that you uh, basically have been leading for years here, where you are you're documenting that the moments of um, um, adjudicated and convicted election fraud cases. Yeah, that's right. And 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 that's a big deal because the left says that election fraud doesn't exist, it, it, or, or it does, but it's very, very limited. But we have all these examples. And you just did a piece, uh, a recent piece, right. documenting another case of election fraud. It's happening. Talk about how the election fraud database is changing the game and compelling these legislatures to make changes. Well, they're using our database. Whenever, whenever state legislators talk about reforms and their opponents say, oh, there's no fraud, you know, we don't need to worry about that, they're, they're using our database to show actually fraud does occur. And mm. we literally, we just added, uh, I think, eight new cases. And <laughs> these are proven cases. Right. So this is not speculation. These are people convicted in a court of law. Uh, like, to just give you an example, a quick example, the former congressman from Pennsylvania, a Democrat, who just pleaded guilty to multiple felony counts. What was he doing? Well, he was working as a political consultant representing uh, candidates, Democratic candidates, at the state, local, and federal level. And he he pleaded guilty to bribing, bribing election officials in a number of precincts in Philadelphia to cast bogus votes and stuff them into the ballot boxes there. And they did this in multiple elections, multiple huh. elections. You have this interesting breakdown of, of Republican and Democrat, these party in party involvements happening at the state level. You know, the, the state Democrat Party and the state Republican Party have their roles in these elections. And I know both of them since 2020 have been making moves to further their own agenda. Talk a little bit about the party breakdown, the Republican, the Democrat party breakdown, where we're seeing these poll watchers, where we're seeing, you know, these different dynamics throughout the states. You know, one of the most unfortunate things that's happened in the past two decades is this schism that has developed between the two political parties when it comes to election integrity. Hmm. And this is demonstrated by the fact that in 2005, Jimmy Carter, former Democratic president, James Baker, former Republican Secretary of State, actually formed a task force on election reform, recommended all kinds of things like an ID requirement. But what's happened since then is um, this schism has developed with basically Republicans pushing for things like ID and the Democratic Party opposing it. In fact, uh, the lawsuits I was talking about earlier, many of them have been filed by either uh, Democratic, uh, the Democratic Party organizations locally or their political allies. So they actually want to stop the kind of reforms that just 20 years ago, a former Democratic president said was something that was not only common sense, but necessary to secure uh, our elections. And I I don't understand the reason for this, but but it's a fact that that has happened. Yeah. Well, we have the election fraud database, and then building on that is an accountability mechanism that we have here called the Election Integrity Scorecard. Right. This thing is is so expansive, folks. I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can go check it out. You do a state-by-state analysis, color-coded, right. uh, red is bad, green is good, and then there's the in-betweens of uh, you know all the states and, and you know kind of building off of where these election fraud uh, issues are happening. And, and what the things in place that these states have to prevent 
these things from happening. Talk a little bit about the election scorecard and how that's having an impact here. Yeah, it took us a whole year to do the analysis and put it together. Yeah. Um, and what we did is we came up with 47 different best practices criteria for the states to judge their election laws and regulations by. I mean, a, a quick example, again, is uh, you get you get points if you have a voter ID law. Yeah. You get a zero if you have no voter ID law. Okay. But we also cover cleaning up voter rolls, maintaining their accuracy, things like that. Uh, and then we com- compared the laws of every, every state to what we consider to be the best practices and then gave them a grade and rated 100. 100 points was a perfect score. No state got that. Hmm. Um, the mm-hmm. highest the highest state scored in the early uh, uh, low 80s, but some of the states were uh, they wouldn't even qualify as an F. They were so bad. <laughs> F, F minus. <laughs> right. Wow. Uh, but but the point of this is, yeah. uh, any member of the public, any legislator, they can go to our map. You click on that state, it'll bring up its score, its ranking, and a complete summary of the good laws in the state and the places where the state is deficient and not doing what it should be. So you're given the recommendations as to where they can go to improve. Yeah, and and if you're a citizen and you want to see how your state's doing, you can check this. And then you you want to uh, talk to your state legislator, you can go to your state legislator and say, look, uh, we don't have this. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. Why aren't we doing this? Yeah. It, It gives you an outline of how to make sure you've got a good state. And Keep in mind, the whole point of this is to not only uh, prevent fraud, but also to make sure that everybody who's eligible is able to vote. It's amazing when we look at the polling numbers on election integrity, Hans. We, I mean, uh, yeah, there's no schism. There is none. Everybody, exactly. Everybody is for voter ID. Everybody is. I mean, it is. I mean, of course, there's your outliers, but for the most part, a vast majority of Americans are for these things right. that make elections fair, easy to vote, hard to cheat. Yeah, no, the only people against it are the out-of-touch leaders of these progressive groups, uh, uh, a lot of leaders, unfortunately, the Democratic Party, and a lot of people in the mainstream media. The American public, no matter which political party they support, they think this is all common sense. And, in fact, they want it. That's that's what you have to have to have uh, the kind of public confidence you want in the election process. And that's going to help everybody. Yeah. We're under 100 days away from the midterm elections. What, if anything, needs to be done between now and then? Uh, what needs to happen between now and then is uh, the states that have these really stupid lawsuits filed against them over these election yeah. reform bills, they just need to keep putting up a big fight okay. to make sure that those laws stay in place, like the voter ID requirements in, in states. Okay, so do they have um, injunctions currently on them from the Department no, most, of Justice? No, most of them, uh, in most of the cases, the plaintiffs who are filing this have been unsuccessful okay. in convincing judges. And in in some of the cases, while the, the Florida, for example, okay. got this really outrageous decision from a trial court judge that was stayed by the Court of Appeals. So the Florida reforms are in place for this election. Okay. All right. So we're going to keep watching these elections. We're going to keep fighting uh, for more voter integrity through through defending the laws that have been passed in these states. Um, Just give me a sense then. So on election day, what are we hoping for is the best outcome, the best scenario? You know, just... um, from the um, from the things that we have passed throughout the states that we've been advocating for? 
the best thing is that by the end of election eve, we know who's won. That's right. And it doesn't go on for weeks. I mean, what, in Pennsylvania, we have a primary that was, what, two months ago? And they're still <laughs> counting ballots trying to figure out who who won. That wow. is not the way you conduct uh, an election. But by the end of election day, uh, we want to know who won. And we don't want any serious issues having mm. been raised about problems, about uh, noncompliance with the law. Uh, everybody's saying it was a clean election. That's what we want to see. Hans, I love it when you come in here. Thank you so much for tracking this. Thank you for all of the work you've done, the election scorecard, the election fraud database, all of the times you're on Fox and you're <laughs> writing on, you know, all over the place. You, you're, you're a machine on this stuff. <laughs> well, thanks. But that's only because there's a lot of folks at Heritage working on this. Yeah. Well, again, Hans, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Hans, and thank you for listening to Heritage Explains. We so appreciate you downloading us every single episode, sharing us with your friends, hitting that like button, and of course, head on over to those show notes to see all the content that helped build out this episode. We've linked to it. It's there. Continue the education. Michelle's up next episode. We'll see you then. Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by John Pop.